1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Okay,
2: everybody ready to go. Back to Chris with more of the other side of the glass with Sports Radio 92.9
3: The Game.
4: You don't want zero problems, big fella. Yep.
1: If one more label try to Final stop me, it's going to be some On Sports Radio 92.9 The 90 Game, Chris Thomas hanging out with you until 4 p.m. little college football action comes your way then. You know, it's kind of a shame because it's a picture-perfect day out in the A. 80 degrees and sunny. Clouds are puffy but not covering the sky. It's, it looks like a movie out there. <sighs> And we need to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Welcome in our buddy Caleb Johnson, who we know is going to keep it a hundred with us. He's going to keep it a buck. Oh and two, Caleb. We know where we need to start. Why has Trey Young been bad in these first two games? What have you seen?
4: Um, you know that's that's a great question. It's it's a difficult one to answer, quite honestly, because. The the blanketed, you know, Trey's been bad is like, well, his defense has truly improved. Uh, I think that was, you know, something that he's talked a lot about. That's something that Quinn Snyder has spent a lot of time talking about, the fact that they wanted to improve their team's defense. I think the thing that, quite honestly, bet- between the time that you and I last talked, We had media day and we had the preseason and watching these guys play in the preseason. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'm, I'm seeing guys developed. I'm seeing, you know, especially, uh, I mean, just the the absolute marvel that I I believe at least that Jalen Johnson has been as of late been great. Uh, But at the same time, Trey wasn't his regular self and what he told us at the time and what he remains to to enforce you know or just kind of reinforce I should say going over and over and over again is that hey I'm not worried our offense in the past has been one of the best offenses in the league it's just taking some time I think there are elements of this as you know training camp is not the same that it used to be anymore um, especially like the amount of time that these guys are physically practicing, not just watching film. Cause I love Clint Snyder uh, gave me and Lauren Williams and a couple others uh, not too long ago, a whole thing about, you know, all well, I, I I look at, at shoot around as practice. I look at film study as practice. I look at, you know, actually practicing as practice, but in Caleb's opinion, I look at actual practice on the court as the type of practice that the Hawks need because they're implementing Quinn Snyder's system. And and really I feel like what we've seen to start out with is when Quinn Snyder took over last year, he was just going with the flow of what they were already doing under Nate McMillan. And he just made some tweaks here and there this time around. It is his system that he is trying to run and you're watching guys out on the court um run into spots where they're they're honestly they're having to think too much, I think quite honestly um about making sure they're helping the right guy, making sure they're in the right spot and it's leaving guys open and you know whether it's the Knicks knocking down threes or um you know the the hornets who got hot in the in the second half of that first game. Um you know you're seeing defensive deficiencies that I think are going to get fixed and but an overall improvement in defense it's just the offense hasn't been there um and i i don't know that there's like an easy way to explain it chris it's one of those like we've seen these guys shoot really well, so we expect it's just going to come back um and i'm I'm on the like Let's give it – I'm going to go on a limb and say let's give it 15 games um, before we see this thing should be looking like a well-oiled machine. Otherwise, I might hit the panic button.
1: Okay, Caleb, here's my concern, right? You have Milwaukee twice, I believe, uh-huh. Yeah. sandwiched in between Minnesota. So you could uh-huh. be looking at potentially – if the if a disaster scenario strikes at like zero and five, zero and six, and I believe because of the lack of moves in the off season, the fan base is going to get real antsy real quick, and there's a chance for this thing to snowball, and that's why I thought even though it's just zero and two, that these first two games were really important.
4: Yeah. I mean, the, to me, it was the first one that was the real, like, I, you know, you, you say that I'm, I'm a realist about this. I expected home opener against the Knicks just because that Knicks team has played together longer. and um, literally, I mean, you know, going back to their college days, like, those guys just have a feel for one another, at least, you know, a couple of guards. Um, and so there's just a, a different level of comfort that I think they have than bringing in Quinn And all of the changes that he wants to make, I think if they do go on what, you know, you're kind of alluding to a potential what 0-5 start to the season, all that's going to happen, at least in my opinion, is going to be two things. That nationally, there's going to be a bunch of people going like, ew, this train DeJounte thing isn't working, and even Quinn Snyder couldn't fix it, and the fan base could potentially do that as well. I think everyone within the organization, though, is going to be pretty realistic about what's going on. And I don't think anyone in the organization, five games in, if they hadn't won a game, is going to be hitting the panic button or or, or freaking out in any way, um, just because there's some realistic expectations of, you know, it's not, you know, build, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Um, But that kind of puts it back to where. I still think the Hawks can struggle to start the season because they've had quite a few slow starts these last few years and it's been okay. Obviously they have higher expectations, but I still, I've I've been telling everyone that asked me uh, that I, I think this is a five to seven seed team. And this is kind of characteristic of a five to seven seed team where you know they could have a slow start and and find their form later on, uh, but I don't think there's going to be any like crazy moves or anything like that just because you know they they lose the first few couple of games to to start their season. It's just uh, I really think there is there there's something to the amount of of new that that Quinn Snyder is implementing because like. I don't know, he, he's just a, a really smart basketball mind, uh, and when you're around this team and you're seeing how he is talking about, it, you know, wanting these guys to think about things in ways that they've never thought
1: about. But, Caleb, um, hold on one second. It, Let me just push back a little bit. I totally understand what ahead. you're saying, but that can't excuse, the newness can't excuse a combined, like, 8 for 30 each from Trey and DJ for the first two games.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, I I think they would, I think they're owning it, um, but I think they're just on the like, yeah, we're we're not gonna panic about this because like we we know those guys to be really good scores, and I am still as of now not on the like, okay, you know, they they got their powers taken from them. I know it's Halloween season, so it's like it's it's not like that just went away from their game. I think it is just. Getting them. I mean, look. Let's be let's be real. When it comes to Trey, he's a guy that in the past was used to on defense. I go stand over in the corner, and then if I think somebody's going to grab a rebound, I'm sprinting down the floor, and I'm going up for a shot. You know, so he's a lot more active in those things. I think that also takes something out of your body. That you know, there are those early season conditioning things um, that. Of course, every guy is going to come in and say, I'm in the best shape of my life, Um, but there is something different between, you know, true game speed uh, and what they've been doing in training camp. And I think the NBA, much like every other league, that as they have moved to help out players by, okay, we're, you know, we're not going to put you through as much strenuous stuff to start off the season. And because there's just not as much time for them to have those practices, um, that it, it's going to take them getting some game reps, and you were, we're watching teams who are veteran teams play really well to start the year, and I feel like it's, it's not entirely that surprising.
1: So one bright spot that we need to highlight, especially me and you, who have been very critical of this man in the past, so when he does something well, we need to give him his flowers. That, of course, is DeAndre Hunter. If you dropped me down from a foreign planet last night and had me watch that game, I would have told you he was the Hawks' best player. And I would have told you he looked like one of the best players in the league. So, Caleb, how do the Hawks bottle up that magic and get it to be more of the standard for the for DeAndre rather than the exception?
4: I uh, Look, I think that's on DeAndre. Uh, because you say, like, yeah, the New York game, a really good game for Dre. But what about Charlotte the game before? Like, it was, like, his defense was pretty suspect. And... He didn't shoot the ball very well, you know, himself. So it's one of those, it feels like it's always been this way with him, where when you're seeing full effort from him, you're like, wow, this is your 18 points a night, you know, kind of guy. Um, And then he goes off and has a night was 27, you know, like, you're like, okay, so he can, some nights even go beyond that. Uh, But I think there's too many nights uh, where it's more like the Charlotte game and you're just left scratching your head uh and i feel like i've seen a lot of um encouragement from Quinn when talking about DeAndre like it legitimately you bring up his name cuz i know i did and uh after the indiana preseason game and it was kind of like well what did you see from from DeAndre in his first preseason game and Quinn just lit up and just go went on and on and on and on about all the improvement that he's seen from him and it's like, okay, so it it feels like an effort thing. Like I, I I never want to claim that I don't think a guy is trying, but I just have a hard time figuring out any other explanation for what goes on with him because he truly has the talent and he, he showed it last night. Uh, and I'm just hoping that it's more of the norm than not. Uh, when at the same time, I think DeAndre was a guy who in, in the past on Hawks team has, hasn't been as as high up on the go-to guy kind of person, and now he is because John's gone, and there's younger guys, you know, Sadiq and Jalen in that lineup, uh, and I think he is relied on more to be not only a stronghold on defense but to be a part of the offense. Uh, and so I just I hope he shows up on a consistent basis. Cause we, we know he can do it.
1: All right, Caleb, last one. Got about a minute left here. The Hawks avoid 0-3 and beat the Milwaukee Bucks if –
4: um. Ooh. Uh, if Anyeko Konglu can contain Giannis Antetokounmpo like we've seen him do in the past, uh, for whatever reason, the way that uh, Valley Chunas is like the kryptonite for Anyeko Konglu, Aniyeka on the other hand has been kryptonite to Giannis Antetokounmpo. We saw at the beginning of last season, um, and I think it's just one of those. Um, you know, he's he's got the link to stay with him and kind of irritate him. I'm very curious because, look, Giannis and Dame together so far, uh, you know, that, that hasn't needed a whole lot of, of time to, to make that work. So I'm very curious to see what the Hawks are able to do to limit uh, those two guys. Uh, but the other part is going to be this whole conversation that you and I are having, the Hawks have to get back to shooting well otherwise any defensive presence that they have against the Bucks isn't going to matter because the bucks are still going to score more points because that's just you know that's the nba guys are going to score
1: all right for now caleb i will leave you with a fingers crossed for tomorrow against the (laughs) bucks seven o'clock tip right here on sports radio 92.9 the game all right caleb appreciate you as always my man Yes, sir. Have a good one, man. All right, that is Caleb Johnson, our Hawks reporter here on Sports Radio 929 the game. We shall see. Maybe something crazy happens, and DeAndre Hunter goes off for 30 again, and Trey and and DeJounte Murray find their form. All right, when we get back, we have not talked any baseball today. There's a World Series going on, and there's an off-season to look ahead for the Braves. We'll do that next with our buddy Danny Vietti of the Believe Network and CBS Sports. Don't go anywhere. Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey app.
3: a new age it's a huge new development again it's not rocket science
0: back to more of the
3: other side of the glass
2: on sports radio 92.9 the game
1: so there's a world series going on right now bueller bueller yeah uh arizona and texas is going on right now now there are some interesting storylines and Once we punch up our buddy Danny Vietti from CBS and the Believe Network, I'll dive into those with him. Adolis Garcia, a guy that not many of us knew, and I admittedly didn't really know who he was before this season. He's a really, really good player. He's a power hitter. He's an outfielder. And he is having one of the great postseason runs you could ever see. In your entire life. So if for nothing else, if you're just a baseball fan and you want to see one of the emerging stars in the game, go check out what Adoles Garcia is doing for the Texas Rangers. He has been absolutely astounding. And then of course there's the Diamondbacks, which is a team that was able to beat the team that beat the Braves. So I don't really understand what the uh path to success was there. But they are one of those teams that scratched and clawed their way to a World Series and as a serious underdog the entire way through. But what they did was nothing short of spectacular, and now they're playing in a World Series. All right, let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Welcome in our buddy Danny Vietti from CBS Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. Danny, how are you?
2: Uh, It's a good time to be alive, good time to be a sports fan after last night, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Just for those who don't really know, and admittedly, I had to go look up his stats from the previous couple of years to realize just how good Adolis Garcia has been. What do you make of his play so far this postseason?
2: It's inspirational. I mean, just his journey to get here. He grew up, born and raised in Cuba, and he was forbidden to play in the United States, but he always had aspirations to play. Major League Baseball, to follow in the footsteps of his brother. So he went to play in Japan, which they are allowed to do, Cuban players, but the majority of their uh, salaries have to go back to the Cuban government, according to the government regulations. So he was on his flight back from Japan. He decided to take a detour to the Dominican Republic, establish residency in the DR. He became an international free agent and made his way to Major League Baseball. And the journey didn't stop there. Uh, he was he he wasn't even wanted by the Cardinals so they trade they put him on waivers they traded him away to the Rangers then the Rangers weren't sold and so the Rangers decided well uh, let's put him on waivers well none of the other 29 teams wanted him, so they kept him on and he kind of proved his way and eventually found his way to the big leagues and here he is just I think it's eight years after he defected from Cuba and he's the American League Championship Series most valuable player and he's breaking records in the postseason most RBI ever in a postseason it's just a remarkable journey i think we're all witnesses to it and i think we should all feel pretty special for that
1: yeah and i think the team he's on right now represents that sort of mentality perfectly as a team yeah. that was down for the count at one point and lost their best pitcher for the season and they didn't give give up danny they actually doubled down
2: yeah well it was just a great game all the way around like a uh, one through eleven right like it was like rangers took a lead here early and it was like okay well Rangers got momentum on their side until Corbin Carroll came to the dish. And that's just what the Diamondbacks do. All season long, they were, I want to say, it was third major league baseball in comeback victories. So nothing gets to these guys in Arizona. Uh, yeah, they won 86 games. They had the 12th best record in the regular season. But uh, the pressure just doesn't get to them, even though despite their youth. So uh, it was back and forth. And, and there's a lot of people coming into this World Series saying that the two teams were not the most exciting And this wasn't the world series to watch. Well, if you missed last night, you missed one of the better world series games we've seen, um, of this era.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and the team that the diamondbacks beat to get here, the team that obviously the Braves have had such a hard trouble, such hard trouble with here in Atlanta, Danny, what, what was the secret sauce for the diamondbacks that allowed them to take down that juggernaut of a Phillies team?
2: The best way I could explain it is damage control. Um, the Phillies are still putting balls in the seats, but a lot of their home runs were coming via the solo shot or via the two run home run. Even in game seven, we saw Alex Baum go yard to match what the diamondbacks did, but it was yet again, a solo shot. I've been comparing the two offenses, Texas Rangers and the Philadelphia Phillies to kind of see how the diamondbacks might match up. And so I kind of got to do a little bit of a digger, uh, deeper dive on what the Phillies did well. And they have the highest slugging percentage of all postseason teams, I mean, one through nine, they can take you deep at any time. However, their on-base percentage wasn't as high as, say, the Texas Rangers. What the Rangers do differently than the Phillies is that they get up on base more. So they might not have nine guys that can take you deep, you know, eat it, any pitch they want to necessarily, but they have guys like Evan Carter and Tavares and uh, guys up and down their lineup. That can work a walk and go a little bit more gap to gap. I think the Phillies were just a little bit uh, too power dependent, and I think the Arizona Diamondbacks still gave up their fair share of home runs, but they did damage control and it ended up helping them win the win the series.
1: Talking all things MLB playoffs and MLB in general with our buddy Danny Vietti. Check him out on CBS Sports and The Believe podcast network another really good story in this series is the guy that's pitching tonight for the Rangers and Jordan Montgomery he was cast aside by the Yankees when they traded him for Harrison Bader they basically said we don't believe in you anymore even though he had been a number three starter in their rotation for many many years and now he's become sort of a pseudo ace for these Rangers talk about Montgomery and his path to this point
2: Uh, let's call a spade a spade that trade uh, when Monty was with the Yankees to trade for Harrison Bader, I thought was dumb at the time. This isn't a situation where hindsight's 2020. Uh, 20 The Yankees needed pitching, and they also needed some outfield help, and they kind of did, like, a, a, a subtraction by subtraction, in my opinion. I didn't agree with the trade at the time, and here Monty is, you know, uh, pitching in Game 2 of the World Series. Of course, he's not with the team that he got traded to, the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, but I think the Yankees would have loved to have had his services uh, services this year. Uh, Ma- what Monty does well is his fastball has a lot of vertical drop. So I don't want to bore people too much with the analytics, but if you go on Baseball Savant and you look at the vor- uh, vertical horizontal drop, uh, it- it- on screen it might look like a normal fastball. But if you're at the dish, there's so much vertical movement to his fastball that it almost works itself as much as like a changeup. But it's coming at you at 92, 93 miles per hour. So it doesn't necessarily overpower you velocity-wise, but there's so much vertical movement to it that it kind of fools hitters, and he's able to get both lefties and righties out. Um, It's just another really good story. You know, both these squads, Diamondbacks, Rangers, whoever winds up on top, it's going to be an amazing story, but I think both these teams could obviously consider this a successful season for both of
1: them. You talk about a guy that's at the front of the rotation with – deceptive stuff and a guy that uh, the fastball can come across, even though it's only 93, 94, plays a lot harder than that, is our very own Max Fried. And he's a guy that's looking for a new contract. Danny, do you think the Braves, who have had a uh, penchant for not retaining their stars over the past couple of years, do you think they get it done with Max Fried?
2: I think Max Fried's going to, at this point, I'd be surprised if it hasn't already been uh, given an extension offer. And I'm not saying that I don't have any sources to support that. But just looking at Alex Anthopoulos' resume and what he's done with his young players and Austin Riley and Acuna and Albies and Matt Olson and Sean Murphy, the list goes on and on. He finds the young guys that he wants to lock up, and he hands them an extension offer that uh, I think is more than fair for both sides for the most part. And at this point, I think Max Fried has definitely proved his worth and proved his value. It, for that reason, I'd be shocked if they haven't had some type of negotiations of extending Max Freed. And if they don't come to you know contract extension this off season, uh, it, it seems likely that he would just want to test for agency, where he would probably make some big time money because he's been when he's on the field, he's a true ace. Um, he's proven that with the Atlanta Braves. So um, he's going to prove his worth as long as he's on the field. And I have a feeling that the uh, Atlanta Braves are going to have a, a good shot at retaining. him.
1: Now, when it comes to the Braves, Danny, here, it's a tough pill to swallow the way that the season ended because from pillar to post, it's rare in a 162-game season for, for that sport to have somebody as a team represent the best team in the sport from game one through 162. And that was the Braves this entire season. They had some little peaks and valleys, but for the most part, they were the best team in baseball. After losing in the fashion that they did, how do you foresee... That team responding next season, coming off of the lowest of lows to finish this year.
2: Yeah, objectively, the Atlanta Braves were the best team in Major League Baseball this year. When you just look at the numbers, um, I mean, the, the Atlanta Braves are not going anywhere. Okay, I, I had a little bit of uh, concerns when it came to the Braves when it came to the playoff, just for the simple fact that they were, they're starting rotation was really limping into the playoffs. So I think that's what Alex Anthopoulos is really going to be tasked with this off season is finding five starters who can take the bump each and every day. It started right from the jump, too, right? Like with Ian Anderson going down on the injured list, and I, I know that Ian Anderson isn't necessarily expected to be your ace, but he was a guy that has been part of the rotation for the past two, three years, past two, three postseasons, and he was not available right from the jump playoff time comes around uh is not back uh charlie morton he's dealing with a finger issue max freed was on the il the last two weeks of the season uh dealing with a blister issue so that was my biggest concern with atlanta especially going up against philly philly had zero holes you look at their rotation they had three to four dominant starters you look at their bullpen they had four to five high leverage arms and in that lineup good luck atlanta was very similar and they matched up well with philly The only problem with Atlanta is that they weren't as healthy as Philly going into the postseason. I think that ended up really hurting them.
1: All right, Danny, last one before we let you go. How do you see this series playing out? Texas has a 1-0 lead.
2: I had Rangers in six. I will keep it that way. I just think this Rangers lineup, kind of like I alluded to earlier, their ability to get on base, maybe not slug as well as the Phillies, but their ability to just have base runners on constantly. I think it's just going to be too much for Arizona. We kind of saw it in game one last night. They were able to weather the storm for most of the game, but then Corey Seager comes up with a guy in base and does damage. I I just think the lineup for the Rangers is too much for this Diamondbacks team to handle for a seven-game series.
1: All right, Danny Vietti, check him out at CBS Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. Appreciate you, as always. We'll talk soon.
2: Always. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, Danny. There is uh, Danny Vietti breaking down all things MLB. He says Braves, don't worry come back strong next season, and he thinks Max Freed is going to be keeping on that Braves uniform for a long time, so good stuff there. All right, when we get back, we'll wrap this puppy up. Let's finish where we started, shall we? This game is just so damn important tomorrow for the Falcons. I'll tell you why next. Don't go anywhere. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey app.
0: baseball your way download it now for free from the app store or google play blackout and other restrictions apply major league baseball trade parts used with permission you
3: know what i love about this show please say this is not a joke no back with more of the other side of the glass all right then I get it. on sports radio
2: 92.9 the game
1: i'm just a soul whose intentions are good oh Lord. Last chance for romance yeah. here on the other side of the glass. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game wrapping things up with you. Chris Thomas taking you up until USC football coming your way at the top of the hour at 4 o'clock. We got Utah and Oregon underway. We got or uh, Oklahoma, should I say, wrapped up in another weird, tightly contested battle with the Kansas Jayhawks. I continue to not understand why some of these teams are not able to act like where they are in the rankings on a week in week out basis? Somewhere right now, Mike Conti is holding his bated breath as his Penn State Nittany Lions were locked in a battle with Illinois. I mean, just oddities all around. But that's what makes college football so great. Although I do know all of you dog fans out there are not looking to be entertained in such a fashion with a back and forth affair. You'd like a nice, clean, tidy. victory where Carson Beck throws three touchdowns and proves he is the man without Brock Bowers in the lineup. We'll see that game just getting underway. If anything crazy happens in the next 10 minutes or so, I will let you know. But let's finish where we started, shall we? Because there is nothing bigger going on in the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia than the Falcons taking on the Tennessee Titans in Nashville tomorrow. Why, you say? Turtle, it's only like week seven, week eight. Like, why are you projecting this out to be such an important game? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the way that the Falcons' schedule finishes out for this season is so winnable. It's almost a joke. They have one, maybe two tough games remaining on their schedule. Right now, with the the way that New Orleans is playing, the Falcons should beat them both times. I'll give it a split just because playing in New Orleans is always a crapshoot, but there is no reason whatsoever that the Falcons can't beat the Saints twice this year. They're just a better team. Like, it's just not even an arguable fact at this point. Derek Carr has not played well. Alvin Kamara is meh. Michael Thomas is meh. Where has he been? The defense is okay. And Dennis Allen, in my opinion, is not a great head coach. The Falcons are the best team in the NFC South, and they have the ability and the opportunity, given their week schedule, to establish a dominant lead, dominant, over the other teams in the division. They're going to beat the Panthers again. They should beat the Bucs again, and maybe it'll look more like the way it should have looked last weekend, and they beat them by two or three touchdowns. And the Saints, like I said, I'll give it a draw just to be fair, but in reality, there's no reason why they can't beat them twice. After this weekend, you have the Minnesota Vikings. That is the one tough test, really, that's left on your schedule. Minnesota's playing well right now, won a couple of games in a row, and Kirk Cousins is playing like an MVP candidate right now. He's not going to win it, but he is playing like an MVP candidate right now. That's going to be a true test because he is able to sling that rock whether or not Justin Jefferson is on the field. So you have that to worry about. The only other really tough test for me is when they go to New York to take on the Jets. And not because Zach Wilson's playing quarterback. It's because their defense is damn good, too. They have a defense that rivals the Falcons. So you travel to New York. They'll be at home. The rest of the games, guys, you play the Bears. You play the Colts. You play the Buccaneers again. You play the Saints and the Panthers. I mean, there's just game after game after game. You go to the Cardinals in Arizona. Kyler Murray hasn't played a snap yet this season. He's not playing this weekend. This schedule, guys and gals, is so weak. And if the Falcons can't capitalize on it, it will be a damn shame. And the only reason, (laughs) haha, guess where I'm going with this? The only reason why they won't is if Arthur Smith continues to roll with Desmond Ritter and he does not play up to snuff. Now, What do I think is going to happen with our boy Dez tomorrow? It's going to be tough because the conditions aren't going to be great. But there's no excuses. The the Titans traded away Kevin Byard, who's their best player in their secondary by far. He's an all-pro caliber safety. So you take him off the defense. They still have Jeffrey Simmons and a couple of guys, Danico Autry, on the defensive line that scare you. But their linebackers are nothing to write home about. And the rest of that secondary is nothing to write home about. So, Dez, even if it's in the rain, pal, you got to throw. You got to throw the ball. You're not just going to be able to run it up the middle 50 times with Tyler Algier and CP. You can try, but the def- the defensive line is good. So, I don't think that that's going to be the strategy from Arthur Smith. The other angle, Bijan Robinson. What the heck happened last weekend? I don't think any of us really know. I don't think we'll ever know. I think that's going to wind up being one of those things where we look back and say, remember in 2023, that like weird random week where Bijan Robinson had a headache and he was getting probed by the NFL for questioning their protocols. And uh, all right, well, nothing really happened from it. So I think that's what it'll ultimately wind up being. But how does that translate on the field? We need to see Bijan get back to form after literally only getting one carry for three yards last week. So if something is actually wrong with him, I think we'll know right away because if he's not out there establishing the run for this team early and often, that's going to be a startling sign for me. I think he needs to be involved in the game plan early, get him involved. Maybe if they get into a goal line situation, make sure that he's the back that's getting the rock just, just so that everything's on the up and up, just so that we know that he's healthy He's ready to go, and he's still the player that we saw the first couple of weeks of the season. What does that mean for the rest of the offense? Well, I don't really know because I don't really know what the what the conditions are going to be like out there. If it's really, really sloppy, I mean, you can't necessarily hold it against Ritter if he's not finding Drake and Pitts for, you know, eight, nine receptions apiece. So I'm not going to kill him for that, but, 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 but. The one thing that absolutely cannot happen, we all know, is the turnovers. He cannot, under any circumstances, have another game with multiple turnovers. Well, you know what? You get one mulligan tomorrow, Des. You get one. Because if it's pouring rain and it's a bad snap or, or if the, it goes over your head or you fumble the ball because it's slippery, we'll give you one. Anything more than that, <laughs>
3: anything more yeah. than that spells trouble. Yeah. I'm looking at the the game right now. Game information, it be a little chilly, 54, but seems like it's just going to be some clouds. Don't know how rainy it will be. We'll see. I think my main thing for Desmond Ritter, just don't get outplayed by Will Levis. That's the main thing for me. Don't go out there and let Will Levis look better than you or look more impressive than you.
1: Well, that's a disaster scenario. I mean, again, but you know what the sad thing is, Dom? We're talking about disaster scenarios. Because that's what's presented itself the past two weeks. It's been two straight weeks of the absolute worst things happening at the worst possible times. Six times it, it's happened in two weeks. That's like, you know, you get a little PTSD about that as a Falcons fan. Every time he touch, tucks the ball and run, or every time he's at the goal line and he's trying to get it in, like, you're like, you know, you're clenching your fists and, you know, not to be too graphic, but a certain part of your body clenches a little bit, you know? You get put in that situation and you're like, "Mm, we just saw him fumble it three times and throw three picks the week before. It's it's tough situation to be in. But as you said, for the defense, again, they should be ready to get on that plane and just absolutely wreak havoc against what are two neophyte, essentially rookie quarterbacks who have no idea how to read defenses at the NFL level. So guys like Jesse Bates and Caden Ellis and David Onyemada and Clays Campbell and Grady Jarrett, Bud Dupree, all the veteran guys on this team should be looking to take to school these quarterbacks because they don't know what's coming. Ryan Nielsen must have been like a chemist in a lab this week, just cooking up potions and, you know, black liquid spilling over the vases over every side. And he's got the goggles on and he's sweating like a mad scientist. That must have been what he looked like this week because, Dom, I don't know about you, but I expect multiple turnovers from this Falcons defense this
3: week. Yeah, no, this is the week where they should go out. Like, this is the week I feel like this defense should go out there. You should have multiple turnovers. I also think this is a week where the defense finally gets home as far as rushing the quarterback. This is the week where I think we see this Falcons defense get four sacks or something like that in the game.
1: Yeah, they've actually been decent the last two weeks at sacking the quarterback. I think they have like eight sacks the last Mm -hmm. two weeks. But overall, the sack number, we Orin and I actually talked about this. I believe they have 13 sacks as a team right now, which if you extrapolate it out for the rest of the season, brings you to like the mid-30s for the season, which is really good. For them, solid.
3: yes, solid. For, it's it's not it's, quite. It's, yeah, at, it's uh, really good. Pause. Yeah, period. For them.
1: For them. <laughs> not amazing for the rest of the league because the Eagles yeah. had uh, seventy.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say it's not it's not quite that forty mark that that Chuckery keeps bringing up, but you're getting closer there.
1: Yeah, if you get close, and you also need to take into account they lost one of the guys that was probably gonna get half a dozen or so. You would think maybe even more if he had a true breakout campaign. That, of course, is Troy Anderson. But I will say this, even though he's not really a sack guy, Nate Landman has played tremendous football. You haven't missed a beat without one of your key defenders in uh, the linebacking course. So that, so that is what it is there. But I think the defense, like you said, could have an all-world game. And they should not, not only could, they really should. I mean, there's absolutely no way. Who, aside from Derrick Henry, Who on the Titans' offense scares you? I would argue nobody.
3: Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, he's older. I I keep saying this. Tennessee is where great wide receivers go to die. Like, I'm not trusting DeAndre Hopkins in this offense, especially not with Will Levis or Malik Willis throwing the ball to him. Traylon Burks is a nice piece, but he's young. He hasn't really had a breakout yet in the NFL. Derrick Henry is really the only thing on this offense that you have to worry about.
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, Diana Rossini of The Athletic coming out, reporting about an hour ago that apparently now the Titans are – holding firm and there were reports earlier this week that deandre hopkins and derrick henry could be on the move with baltimore specifically being heavily linked to henry which would have been incredible to see lamar jackson and derrick henry in the same backfield but now apparently their gm Rand carthon is saying that the only way they're going to consider moving either of those players is if you get a package that absolutely blows them away which to me, sounds like a first round pick, yeah, or multiple second round picks, and I don't think a team's gonna do that. Derrick Henry is still not, good,
3: but yeah. not for Derrick Henry. But like, if you're the team, if you're a team like the Chiefs, I'll give up three second round picks for DeAndre Hopkins to ensure that we'll win another title this year. Is he still the guy with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to him? Yes. You know what my problem is? I just haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, but. It's because he's got Ryan yeah, Tannehill yeah, throwing and, in the and, ball, <laughs> and Kyler Murray, who they had some fun moments. they had, fun mom- they, oh, they had they some were fun very moments
1: together. Yeah, in Arizona, yeah. that one that one play specifically sticks yeah, out yeah, where yeah. Kyler yeah. Murray literally scrambled for twenty seconds <laughs> yes. and then found him for like a game-winning touchdown. But he just hasn't been the consistent nuke that we've seen for the you know first handful of his career in Houston. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Other Side of the Glass. Great job by Oren and Dom producing the program. Appreciate all my guests. Appreciate everyone who called, texted, and tweeted the show. I am back with you guys on Monday night and Thursday for our little shorty shows, and then back with you next Saturday for the full program. Thanks to everyone who listened out there. Enjoy the football USC coming up, and enjoy all the rest of the games, Georgia and Florida, underway as well. You've been listening to The Other Side of the Glass on Sports Radio, 99 The Game, and on the Odyssey app.